0: Hello, welcome to uh, a movie review of the Apocalypse Now Redux movie directed by the incomparable Francis Ford Coppola. Uh, this is not the original theatrical release. This is the new release with the added footage that Coppola wanted to include in the Apocalypse Now Redux. This movie is very liberally based on one of the greatest fictional works of all time, Heart of Darkness by Joseph Conrad. The best theme I pulled out of this movie for me was that good and evil are not relevant in this movie or in this story. And the reasoning behind that is that the so-called good guy Americans do a lot of really bad things, such as destroying civilians civilian villages at will, killing forests with napalm and bombs, denigrating and dehumanizing the enemy through whatever means possible, and so on. Meanwhile, the so-called bad guys seeming more intelligent, compassionate, and realistic of the human condition. For instance, uh, and I'll put the three main characters in this context, as they're all maybe considered bad guys at certain points in the movie. There's Captain Willard who goes into the forest with Chef to collect mangoes. He trades much-needed fuel for his boys to be with the stranded Playboy bunnies, and he doesn't partake. That's in the Redux version. He spends a lot of time studying Kurtz to prepare for his mission of learning from and exterminating Kurtz. He puts a woman out of her misery. Well, that's maybe just to expedite his mission, but then he tells the boat captain he should have listened to Willard and not stopped there in the first place. He learns from the French lady he sleeps with that he is a lost soldier, but that he needs to realize that he is both a lover and a killer. A key plot point not found in the original film, I might add. He listens to both the photographer and Kurtz to learn more about Kurtz, which is good research. He cries like a baby when Chef's head suddenly appears in his lap, showing empathy for his best friend on the patrol boat. He kills Kurtz the way Kurtz wants to die. And finally, and most importantly for the story, he decides to leave the compound instead of replacing Kurtz as the new Heart of Darkness. See the last main bullet point below, or the last point I'll make. And then we have Colonel Kurtz, the second most dominant character in the movie. Mostly we hear about him... Uh, through other people such as Willard's reading of the dossier and the photographer's take on the madness of Kurtz. Colonel Kurtz does not pretend to be something he is not. He no longer judges himself or any other people. The human condition is easily discerned and appreciated by him, nor does he allow anyone else to judge his actions, or at least he doesn't care what other th- others think about him and his actions. He is a natural born leader because he always wants to lead his men in battle, not in the rear with the gear like most men of his rank and tenure. He is probably one of the most educated men in the military, a a graduate from Harvard with high marks. He likes ancient culture and philosophy. He loves his quote unquote children and they love him back. He probably learned enough from the terrible events surrounding the polio vaccination of kids that he experienced that he would never hurt children, as we only see the disposed heads of adult males lying around the place. Now, he knows he is mad, but he also knows it's too late for him to change or just quit altogether, which is very realistic given his scenario. He could never go back to civilized society. It would not suit him. He devises a very clever plan to indoctrinate Willard, into his philosophy on both war and life in general. I speculate that's why he tolerated the photographer for so long. Because the photographer was explaining to Willard in terms he would understand better than Kurtz could. He is actually quite gentle and genteel when not killing or maiming his enemies. His voice is simply mesmerizing, thanks to the incomparable Marlon Brando. Now, he does dump Chef's head into the bound Willard's empty lap, which some might speculate is very cruel. But he didn't know that they were best friends at the time. He only figured that out when he saw or at least heard Willard crying in shock and disgust. If he did know they were best friends, maybe you could argue that Kurtz was doing that to provoke Willard into killing him. But I tend to believe Willard was already set on killing her. Kurtz. Kurtz knew this. He just didn't know how or when he was going to do it up until that point. Lastly, Kurtz, in true warrior style, wants to die, while being perfectly calm and philosophically relevant, to Willard. He's speaking to Willard when he says they aren't allowed to write fuck on their airplanes, and then all of a sudden, whack, he's being chopped up by Willard. He probably had the natives do that sacrificial buffalo ceremony in conjunction with when Willard would stalk him. I speculate maybe so that he wouldn't be stopped by the faithful natives. Lance, the surfer from SoCal. Okay, my favorite character in the movie, by far. And I'm from San Diego, so then maybe I'm biased. He's a surfer south of Los Angeles. I speculate he probably is in San Diego. He's a typical laid-back surfer at the beginning of the movie. But he actually changes more than any other character in the film. He's very dynamic. He is by far the most complicated, misunderstood character in the film. There's not a close second in my mind. Reason, adapt adaptation, and survival. Sure, he'd rather be surfing the waves of SoCal, maybe not Vietnam, but now that he's going up to the heart of darkness and he's taking pot and acid, among other things we don't see, his mind is expanding to adapt to his new reality. In Redux, he's very sympathetic, tender, and even empathetic to the centerfold Playboy Bunny, another reason to watch Redux. He starts wearing camouflage on his face. He howls to match the howls he hears in the jungle. He has no problems with dead people. The captain, he quietly and very love-touchingly lays into the water for burial by river, but very unemotionally. And the 17-year-old African-American kid, of course, he was at odds with, the, with that kid for various reasons, so maybe he didn't have an emotional connection to him. But what he really distresses him is when he loses the puppy, because it, probably because it reminds him of his innocence, and now he knows his innocence is forever lost. When they finally arrive at the compound, especially finally when you're watching Redux at almost three hours into the epic that is that movie, Lance volunteers to go with Willard to investigate the bunker. And he quickly finds out how much he enjoys the rituals and company of the natives, especially the young children. He dances around just like one of them during the key sacrifice sequence of the film. You'd think he would want to stay there. I mean, how much better is the compound from Disneyland, for crying out loud? As he mentioned earlier, he wanted his friend to visit Vietnam because he said it was better than Disneyland. But anyway, when Willard grabs him, he doesn't He doesn't fight Willard. He doesn't put up a struggle. He just goes along. Why? He just changed into this very willful character. I speculate that he misses the beautiful blondes and tasty waves of SoCal. And some things never change so he's a very complex and interesting character and the three main characters in the film and there's really you could say kilgore might be in there somewhere but kilgore doesn't really add to this discussion too much only that he's more in the so-called good guy americans that do a, real, a lot of really bad things like destroying the villages and killing the forests with napalm and bombs and and of course denigrating and dehumanizing through whatever means possible death cards, racial slurs, etc. So, okay, that's a main look at that point. And the only other point I wanted to say, because I want to keep this pretty short so you actually listen to it, a heart of darkness powers the entire length of the river. That's the ongoing theme. That's the dominant theme. And it ends in Colonel Kurtz's infamous compound. What happens when Willard leaves instead of taking over for Kurtz, as we would think he would, the natives want him to certainly um well according to the very insightful photographer he says when it dies he dies and when he dies it dies and i may have the order wrong but he says it in some order knowing this helpful bit of information willard decides to leave grabbing lance along the way and they leave the compound without giving an order to almighty to give coordinates for bombing why doesn't he want to destroy the compound? compound with bombs, or, or take over for Kurt. My impression is that he already knows that he would immediately go mad, just like Kurtz did, and then he would probably commit suicide, mass homicide, or some other atrocity. Right before emerging from the murky water to kill Kurtz, maybe reborn or baptism by fire themes going on when he arises from the water, He says that the army would make him a major for this, and he's not even in their fucking organization anymore, or something to that effect. That begs the unanswered, at least by either version of the film, why did he leave, and what was he going to do next? Well, from the very opening sequence of both films, Captain Willard post-narrates that he cannot tell Kurtz's story without telling his own. But we don't know how Kurtz got there, not really. Who or how many he had to kill to take over the compound, or how he evolved-slash-devolved once he established control. Based on that little tidbit that was added to the opening of both movies, we can only guess that it basically followed the same path of the compound, which I would consider to be the body of darkness that encases the heart of darkness, murdered the people or person in charge, and the native warriors knew he was now in charge, just like they did with Willard. The natives were therefore were there before Kurtz, probably many centuries before his arrival, and they aren't going anywhere, anywhere no matter what happened. Knowing this, Captain Willard knows that whether or not someone takes Kurtz's place at the Heart of Darkness, probably the first, possibly the first guy sent to kill Kurtz, who not incidentally is only one of three characters practicing Tai Chi in the movie, which is considered an ancient form of karate or pre-karate. You can figure out who the other two rather easily, so I don't want to spoil that. Or whether the whole compound basically is abandoned, so either that guy takes over, the Tai Chi guy that we don't learn anything about, other than he was the first guy to go after Kurtz, or whether the whole compound basically is abandoned, nothing's going to change in, in, in Willard's estimation. Not relative to the immense military advantage the U.S. had at that time, and I highlight at that time. He probably hopes the natives will stick together at the very least and fight both, both the Viet Cong and the U.S. armed forces. As the photographer said earlier, these are Kurtz's children, implying that he trained them starting at a very young age. By virtue of what we know about Kurtz, Mad Philosopher, Philosopher King, or some variation thereof, we can extrapolate that this force might be able to be both North and South and unite the country under one race and one religion. I would guess Zen Buddhism, based on the regional preferences in religion. I suspect that Willard realizes this and doesn't need to lead the single most trained, resourceful, and effective guerrilla fighting force in the world. They already know all they need to know, and it might be even better if they were decentralized. Sleeper cells, right? That's my take on Apocalypse Now Redux. Thanks for listening. Bye.